The following sermon is the last in a three-part series on giving and was preached May 14, 2017 at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas. Nobody really likes to write big old checks. Um, sure, we like the stuff that we get when we write a big check, uh, but paying big money isn't a whole lot of fun, really. Um, and this past week, I ended up having to, or getting to, write a big check. We got rid of my wife's car. Um, it had 256,000 miles on it, and the air conditioner was out, and San Antonio in the summer is no place to be without an air conditioner. So I took the car to CarMax, because they'll buy anything. So I took the car to CarMax, sold it to them, and then started looking for a replacement car for my wife. And, and uh, you know, as I searched the internet, uh, I found this little SUV um, to, to replace her car with, and, and uh, I went out to the lot. This was, I think this was, may have actually even been the Saturday of Cornival earlier in the day. Ethan and I uh, test drove it, and uh, I mean, it, it ran like a dream. It was, it was nice. It, it, it looked and smelled like a brand new car. So I did a, 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 we left a lot. I did a Carfax report on it later, you know, where you send, you pay money to get a complete history on the vehicle. I got the Carfax back. It had only had one owner. Um, it had been regularly serviced at the dealership. And I mean, you couldn't, you really could not have gotten a better Carfax report on this car. Showed pictures to my wife. She liked it. So, so uh, I called up the dealership. I think this was the following Monday or so later in the day. Called up the dealership and went down to make an offer on the car. And I had talked to my bank earlier, told my bank that, that you know, I was probably going to be buying a car. And they said, no problem. You know, we'll take care of everything. It's no big deal. So I uh, went to the dealer. And uh, by this time, it was later in the day. The bank was closed. Uh, so we couldn't do like just a, a direct draft from the bank. And the dealer said, okay, well, we'll, we'll take a check. And since, uh, since the bank had said, no problem, I said, okay, well, you'll take the check. So I, we did the paperwork, and I wrote them a check for significantly more than I had in my account um, since the bank said, no problem. But still, writing that check was no fun, really. It was, it was a bit stressful um, writing a, a check like that. And this, this was late in the afternoon again, and, and so I took the car and, and had a meeting here at, at Braun Hall that evening. So I came to the church, drove the car here, had the meeting. Then I got in the car to leave the church. Oops. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. It's, you know, that's the kind of thing where I'm going with this story anyway, because you know this story's not going to turn out well. So I get in the car to, uh, to, to leave Braun Hall, start it up, and I pull out of the parking lot. And I'm telling you, no sooner that I pulled out the parking lot, that, that uh, uh, dashboard lit up like a Christmas tree. I mean, every warning light you could think of came on uh, the, the dashboard of that car, and, and I turned on the radio. It was playing Santa Claus is Coming to Town. 
you know, and, and not the Bing Crosby version. I'm talking the Bruce Springsteen version. There were lights <laughs> everywhere on this dashboard. So uh, I bought it as is. You know, when you buy a car as is, you write the check, you drive it off the lot. It's yours, problems and all. So I called the salesman. He was, he was crazy enough to give me his cell phone number. So I called the salesman on his cell phone. This is about 8 o'clock at night now. And um, uh, I, I told him, you got to meet me at the lot because I'm bringing this jalopy back. And uh, he, he did meet me there. Like I said, it was about 8 o'clock. And, and, and he tried to tell me that they would make it right, that they would fix the car, do whatever needed to be done. Uh, and I said, here's your keys. Give me my check back. Uh, of course, he didn't want to do that. But, but I can be kind of persuasive at times. And in the end... Uh, he, we voided all the paperwork. He said the check was in the safe. He didn't have access to it, but we voided all the paperwork, got out from under the deal. Uh, and I called the bank the very next morning to void the check because I didn't exactly trust that they wouldn't try to cash it. Of course, they did try to cash it, even though they said they wouldn't. But um, long story short, Cindy is borrowing a car uh, until we can find something that has a factory, a warranty uh, attached to it. Um, and the other uh, thing to learn from this is that writing big checks in the wrong situation, that can certainly be stressful, but that doesn't mean that giving can't be a joy. That doesn't mean that, that, that writing checks or giving in whatever way can't be a joy because uh, writing checks or giving for a good cause can bring a feeling of satisfaction that writing a check for something material could never do. If we think about that and we use this whole used car buying experience or even car buying in general or whatever as, as, a, as an example um, for what I'm talking about here, if, if you buy a car, uh, you know, you, you, you buy a car, especially one that, that you really like and it smells good and looks good and you wash it, often and you vacuum it out every week you take good care of it at first at first this car brings you a lot of satisfaction and you think well it's money well spent but then you know a couple years later you've got cheetos between the seats you've got a funky smell that you haven't quite identified coming from somewhere in the car and i don't know how this happens but you've also got pennies and nickels stuck in the cup holders However, it happens, and you're still paying for it. If you contrast that, because you, th th this, this buying this material thing, this car or whatever, is, is something that feels good at the moment, but it loses its luster certainly over time. If you contrast that to money that you give to a good cause, like the church, Maybe it was to, to bring clean water to a village in Africa, or maybe it was to provide backpacks and school supplies to kids that couldn't afford them on their own, or, or maybe it was just simply giving to the church so that the good news of Jesus Christ could be spread throughout San Antonio. Giving to things like that brings satisfaction well beyond that new car smell, you know? Giving, not buying, but giving creates a ripple effect that touches people well beyond our individual reaches. 
So going back to, to Psalm 37 and the previous two sermons, you know, we learned a couple of things. We're called to roll our journey upon the Lord. Our English, our English translation calls for commitment. When we commit or roll our journey upon the Lord, when we hold nothing back, that's when we delight in the Lord. And last week we talked about, we saw where the Lord is asking us to give. And when he asks us to give, it's actually a gift that God gives us, this opportunity to give. It's an opportunity for us to live out our faith, just as the earliest hearers of the gospel had that opportunity to live out their faith. If you remember when Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out with nothing, so that the people that heard the gospel for the first time had the opportunity to live out their faith through giving. And now we, we see the fruits of trust today as we talk about the joy of giving. We see the fruits of trust, the fruits of rolling our journey upon the Lord. We can truly delight in the Lord as we give. A giving heart delights in the Lord. Now if you're looking for a line to, to tweet or post or whatever on social media, that's, that's the one. A, a, a giving heart delights in the Lord. We're blessed to bless others. God doesn't, see, God doesn't give us his blessings, his gifts, so that we can store them up and save them for another day for future use. As Christians, we're part of an economy of compassion. Now, I'm not, I'm not advocating socialism here. We all know the, 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 the line from Karl Marx, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. At least I'm not advocating that in a, in a systematic, uh, overreaching, bureaucratic way. What I'm talking about is, is what uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. He's talking about generosity. He's talking about the joy that came from giving in the church at Macedonia. Not because the government came and seized property and redistributed it. Where did I put my Bible? Here it is. Um, if we go to, to 2 Corinthians here, chapter 8, we read, For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints begging us for the privilege of sharing in that ministry. See, these, he, he, he's talking about the sheer grace of God that had shown through in the church. They were glad to give. They were glad to even give beyond their meager means. Even in the face of poverty they were facing in Macedonia. Now see, Paul's not, Paul's not advocating that we add stress to our life by giving beyond what we're a actually able to. What they were doing was giving all they could and a little bit more. They were giving beyond. Paul's not, Paul's not asking us to, to hurt ourselves in our giving, but Paul is looking to bring satisfaction. He's, he's wanting you to see the satisfaction that comes from embracing this cycle of giving that's talked about. Paul goes on to say, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, 
but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. This is a, this is a, a, a system of, of reciprocity. It's, it's giving and receiving and giving to each others out of kindness, out of goodness, and seeing some return from that. It's both a privilege to give and to receive. If we look at it this way, okay? Um, today is Mother's Day. And often mothers will give and give and give. And they get, they get little sleep while nursing. And they, they learn to multitask while they're covered in spit up. And they listen to the soundtrack of whatever Disney movie is popular over and over and over and over unless you're Duke, the Dukes and you listen to Hamilton over and over and over and over. I'm getting the thumbs up from Bella there. Uh, but this, mothers, mothers don't even remember what me time is. But as they give and give to the child, because the roles, see, are not equal between mother and child. See, a child cannot, when they're babies, cannot feed themselves. They can't clean themselves up. The mother provides the child with what's necessary and does so with a joyous heart. And in turn, the child will offer something the mother needs and craves, love. And as time goes by, the child blesses the mother, too, with gifts. Now, maybe the child has, has saved up what little money they've had. Maybe they found it in the couch cushions. Maybe they had some sort of allowance, I don't know, but they've saved up everything they've had and they, uh, and, and they buy some gift maybe they bought in the school library or something, and some crummy gift. Uh, in my case, um, it, was, uh, it, it was a candle. I bought my mother a candle with a picture of the Virgin Mary painted on the side of it. Uh, it, it but it was, a, it was this crummy little gift that my mom cherished. These gifts mothers cherish that, you know, I, I can remember giving her this gift that in retrospect was, was just a horrible gift um, in terms of, of what my mother would have actually, because knowing my mother, she's passed on now, but, but knowing my mother, that's not exactly what she was circling in the, in the JCPenney catalog uh, for Mother's Day. That's what we did back then. We circled things in catalogs. Um, but, but still, I remember giving her that gift, uh, this, this little boy with glasses and a, and a patch on one eye, seeing how much his mother loved this silly gift and made over how special this candle was and who now remembers, you know, 40-something years later and includes it in a sermon knowing that the candle was a pretty dumb gift especially for a Protestant. But the point is, the point is, we're meant to share our blessings. And those blessings create this cycle of giving, a far-reaching cycle that breeds love. Because as, as James says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, and who does not change as shifting shadows. Even a crummy candle is a gift, a beautiful gift from God. It blessed us both. 
And if a candle like that can be a blessing, how much more can generosity, when it's directed towards the needy, be a blessing for both? Our, our, our blessings are meant to be circulated, not hoarded, not kept solely for our own use. Our blessings are meant to be circulated, an economy of compassion that delights both the, the one who receives and the one who gives. Trust in the Lord and do good, so you will live in the land and enjoy security. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Roll your journey upon the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. He will make your vindication shine like the light. God bless you. Join us at Christ Fellowship United Methodist Church in San Antonio, Texas. We currently meet in Braun Hall at 9721 Braun Road or visit us on the web at www.cfumcsa.org or check us out on Facebook. Until next week, adios.